Hello, I am Matthew Hurst, the worship minister of First Baptist Church, Watauga, and we want to simply say thank you for listening to these messages. We'd like to invite you on Sunday morning at 1045 to join us in worship of God and to hear from His Word. Our mission here at FBC Watauga is to exalt the Savior equip the saints, and to evangelize the lost one person at a time. So I pray as you listen to these messages that you would be encouraged and equipped as you listen to the word of the Lord today. So as was mentioned already this morning, Pastor Dennis spent the week working on his dissertation so that he could finish it up and and submit his work. Now, I'm not the one that has been working on this project, project, but Pastor Dennis has, has openly shared that the focus of his research has been primarily on the role of the pastor in regards to the body of the church. And his primary focus, his primary claim, is that the pastor is not just the under-shepherd of the church, but that because Jesus is the head of the church, the pastor is also a member of the church. The pastor is also part of the body. Now, in some ways, this is easy for us to see because in in most Baptist churches, the very first Sunday that, that a new pastor comes, having been called to lead that church, at the end of that first service, he and his family will join the church. Just like anyone else who joins the church, they will join the church. They, they will become part of the body. But in other ways, this, past, or this claim that Pastor Dennis makes in his dissertation is somewhat challenging for us because in practice, many times, churches treat the pastors as if they are separate from the body. Uh, treating them as if, if they're really just a hired hand or an employee only. And this is only amplified if the pastor himself takes that stance, that he is separate from the body, that he is just an employee of the body. But while this claim is somewhat challenging for us that the pastor is also a member of the church, while this claim is somewhat challenging for us, we understand that as believers, our role in the church, our role in our homes, our role in our jobs, and our role in this life is directly related to not who we are, but who Jesus is. So the question is, who is Jesus? Now, this sounds like somewhat of a silly question to be asking, especially on a Sunday morning and in church as we're gathered together to ask who is Jesus. But, but Jesus answers this question himself with often challenging claims about himself. In the book of John, we see Jesus make several I am statements, including the I am statement that we're going to look at in our passage today, and as we look at this I am statement in our passage today, we're going to see that those present, that those that Jesus makes this statement to, they are greatly challenged by it. So if you have your Bibles, and if you haven't done it already, you can turn to John chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 12 through 20. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Now as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. In John chapters 7 and 8... 
we see Jesus speaking, and, and he's speaking during a time known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Festival of Shelters, depending on the translation that you're reading out of. If you're looking at the CSB, it's going to be called the Festival of Shelters. So what is this Feast of Tabernacles or Festival of Shelters? To summarize it simply for you, it is a seven-day festival to commemorate the Lord's provision for the Israelites as he led them out of Egypt, but not just as he led them out of Egypt, but more specifically as he led them through the wilderness. And, and he led them through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so during this festival, they would light these lampstands throughout the tabernacle to remember this pillar of fire. These lampstands would be lit and music would be played and they would remember and celebrate this pillar of fire that led them through the wilderness. So it's particularly important to understand these details as we look at Jesus' claim that he is the light of the world because it helps us to understand just how significant his claim is but also how challenging his claim would be for those who heard it. So let's read John 8. Verses 12 through 20 says, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my, fa my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So as we look at our passage today, we're going to have a couple of, of overarching truths that we're going to look at, and then under those overarching truths, we'll have uh, a few subpoints to understand and, and apply this passage to our own lives today. So the first overarching truth that I want you to hear this morning, the first overarching truth is Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. This is, it, this is the challenging I am statement that Jesus makes in verse 12. And understand, Jesus is the master at object lessons. So if you remember, it, it wasn't so long ago that I wasn't the student pastor here at First Baptist Watauga, but I was the children's pastor here at First Baptist Watauga, and if you remember, on Sunday mornings I would bring uh, my backpack down to the front and have the children gather around as I sat on a stool, and I would pull from my backpack an object, and I would use that object to illustrate a truth from God's Word. So where did I learn that style of teaching? I learned it from God's Word. This is a, a very effective way to illustrate a truth to illustrate a point, and we see Jesus do this time and time again to use object lessons to teach a truth to make his point, and we see him do this throughout his ministry. 
So in John chapter 6, we see Jesus feeding the the 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And, And then we see the very next day, Jesus makes his first I am statement, I am the bread of life. He, he uses the bread that he had just fed them the day before to illustrate this truth about himself. Your focus is on bread. I am the bread of life. So when we get to John chapter 8, verse 12, we see Jesus in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles where they are lighting these lampstands celebrating the pillar of fire. And it's here in the Feast of Tabernacles that we see Jesus make his second I am statement. I am the light of the world. Once again, using an object lesson to illustrate this truth about himself. Your focus is on light. I am the light of the world. But this was more than simply an object lesson. This was a challenging statement, a challenging claim that Jesus was making. And we see just how challenging this claim was as we see the the Pharisees respond to Jesus. But before we look at the response that the Pharisees had to Jesus, I want to look at a few implications and applications that we have with this statement that Jesus makes, I am the light of the world. So first, because Jesus is the light of the world, he is God's presence with us. Because Jesus is the light of the world, he is God's presence with us. There are a few ways that that the people present would have understood that those that heard Jesus speaking, they they would understand him to be saying a few different things, which will better help us understand and apply this passage to our own lives. So let's take a look at Exodus 13.21. I already mentioned mentioned the details of this, but I I don't just want to mention it. I want to look at it with you. Exodus 13.21 relates to the Feast of Tabernacles. Exodus 13, 21 says, The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. So if you're taking notes, I want you to underline those two words, the Lord. Because what I want you to understand is that for the the Israelites, the pillar of cloud that went before them in the day and the pillar of fire that was leading them at night, they, they didn't understand this to simply be a provision of God for them. They didn't simply understand this to be something that God had provided for them to, to lead them. The Israelites understood That this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire was a manifestation of God's presence with them. They understood that when they were walking in the wilderness, they were not walking alone. They understood that that it was the Lord that was leading them. And so, this is why they are celebrating during the Feast of Tabernacles. Not simply because the Lord provided to them a pillar of fire but that the Lord provided himself to them, his own presence to them in this pillar of fire. So for Jesus then to come and make this claim during the Feast of Tabernacles that he is the light of the world, they would understand Jesus to be saying that he was the one they were celebrating, that he was the one that they worshipped, that he was 
the very presence of God with them. And while this statement was challenging for them, we understand that the statement was truth. That, that Jesus was and is God's presence with us. We, we've already seen this throughout the book of John already. And we've talked about this over the last few weeks, having celebrated Christmas. But we go back to the beginning of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We know that as we celebrate Christmas, we are remembering and celebrating Jesus coming into this world as a baby in a stable Literally as God's presence with us. But we also understand that even 2,000 years later, Jesus is still God's presence with us. Jesus is still God's presence with us. He's still the one that we look to to guide us in the daytime and then in the nighttime. He's the one that we look to to guide us. In the good times and in the hard times, he's the one that we look to guide us when it seems light out, but also when it is dark around us. And because Jesus is the light of the world, we can say with full confidence, even today, Jesus is still God's presence with us. So let me pause and ask you right now, is there an area of your life that you're looking for guidance? Is there an area of your life that you would say, man, things just seem dark right now in this area? And maybe because of the world and because of the week and because of the last year, you would say everything seems dark right now. Would you be reminded this morning that Jesus is the light of the world and he is God's presence with you in the midst of the darkness? So Jesus is the light of the world, and because Jesus is the light of the world, he is God's presence with us. Second, because Jesus is the light of the world, he is God's salvation for us. He is God's salvation for us. So let me once again bring you back to the context of our passage. As we think about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that, that led the Israelites throughout the wilderness... The Jews would also remember that before they saw this manifestation of God's presence with them in this pillar of fire, that God was the one that led them out of the hands of Pharaoh, that led them out of slavery. But not only did he lead them out of slavery, God also parted the Red Sea before them. But not only did God part the Red Sea before them, he also closed it back up on the armies behind them. And so this God that they worshipped that was in this pillar of fire was also the God that brought them out of slavery. He was the God and is the God of their salvation. So for Jesus to say that he is the light of the world wouldn't just communicate to them that he is God's presence with them. It would also communicate to them that he was God's salvation for them, that he was present with them whenever they were brought out of Egypt. And so just as Jesus communicated to the Jews at this festival that, that he was the light of the world, therefore he was their salvation, 
we read this truth that Jesus is the light of the world and we are reminded that he is also for us, our salvation. And we see this apply at least in two big ways in our lives. First, this is applicable to us when it comes to the predicament of our sin. When it comes to the predicament of our sin. Romans 3.23, it's a familiar verse for us, but it most easily summarizes the sin problem of every single human being in this world. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. Apart from Christ, the predicament that we find ourselves in is that we are all enslaved to sin. Apart from Christ, we are all enslaved to sin. And even if you would say that, that maybe somehow in your own strength you have turned from most of or all of your sin, you still find yourself in a predicament because you are enslaved to the results of any and all past sins of your life. And the primary result of our sin is that we are separated from a just and holy God. Apart from Christ, we are separated from a just and holy God. So then we're told in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So not only are we separated from God, but what is owed to us for our sin is death. But thankfully... Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He, he communicates, I am, I am God's salvation for you. But he doesn't just communicate it through his words. We see that he ends up going to the cross and dying for your sins and for mine. Revealing himself further to be God's salvation for us. So that if anyone would turn to him and confess their sins, that they might be saved. Jesus is our salvation when it comes to the predicament of our sin. But he's also our salvation when it comes to the predicament of our world. So the older I get, and probably even the older you get, the more and more you see that, that the world is not on the side of Christians the world is not on the side of Christianity. Now, honestly, this shouldn't be a surprise to us. Jesus warned us of this. So I don't want to jump too far ahead in our sermon series. But when we get to John chapter 15, we're going to read Jesus' words. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. And while this is a reality that as believers we have known and studied for years... It's a lot different when we see that playing out before us, when, when we realize that the world wants to silence us because it hates us. It's a sobering thought for us. And so the predicament of, of the world is that as believers, yes, we will be hated. As believers, yes, we will be persecuted. As believers, our freedoms will be challenged. But the good news is, in the midst of it all, is that Jesus is the light of the world. 
And because he is the light of the world, we trust that just as he led the Israelites out of the hand of Pharaoh, as he led them out of their enslavement in Egypt, Jesus can lead us out of any struggle in our life. And even if by leading us out of that struggle, it means that we lose our lives in the process, like many apostles that we read in scripture that gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. We can say with full confidence, the same truth that David spoke in Psalm 27.1. I shared this earlier this week in the video that I released The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So let me pause right here and ask those in this room, but also ask those online. Is Jesus your salvation? Have you trusted him to be the Lord of your life? Do you have the hope and assurance for this life? For this world and for eternity that only Jesus can give. And if you have, if you would say, yes, Jesus is my salvation. Then in the midst of this dark world, would you simply be reminded of that truth today. That it is Jesus that is your salvation. Not anyone else in this world. It is Jesus that is your salvation. So because Jesus is the light of the world, he is God's salvation for us. Third, because Jesus is the light of the world, he is God's revelation to us. So this motif of light is used throughout the Old Testament. Aside from what the the Jews that were present at the festival would have understood Jesus to be saying in regards to the festival itself, in regards to the light at the festival itself, Jesus calling himself the light of the world would also cause them to call to mind many truths that they had been taught that had been passed down to them through the years. In Psalm 119.105, the psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Over in verse 130, we read, The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. If you go over to Proverbs 6.23, you see, For a command is a lamp, teaching is a light. So beyond understanding light in the context of the pillar of fire that that they're celebrating at this festival, the, the people hearing this claim, I am the light of the world, would also call to mind... All of the teaching that God's word is light and that God's word sheds light. And what does God's word shed light on? It sheds light on the truth. When God's light shines, it reveals truth. So for Jesus to make this claim that he is the light of the world, it would imply to those listening not just that he reveals truth, but that he himself is the revelation of God's truth to mankind. And maybe you're here today and you are looking for truth. Or maybe you are online this morning and you are looking for truth. Your your desire is to be rooted in all of the deception in our world. There's so much out there. It's hard to decipher what's real and what's not real. What's lies and what's truth. 
And so maybe you are just looking in all of the deception of the world, you're looking to be rooted and grounded in truth. Today I want you to know that truth is more than a principle that we stand on. Truth is a purpose that we trust in. A person, excuse me. Truth is a person that we trust in. And that person is Jesus. When we get to John 14, 6, we're going to read Jesus' words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you're looking for truth today, let me encourage you, look no further than Jesus. He is the revelation of God's truth to mankind. So Jesus is the light of the world, and because he is the light of the world, he is God's presence with us. He is God's salvation for us, and he is God's revelation to us. We see all of this in, in this challenging claim that Jesus makes when he says, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is the light of the world. That's our first overarching truth today. Our second overarching truth that I want to give you this morning, it's going to sound very similar to the first one, but this time I'm going to add a word onto it. Jesus is the light of the world regardless. Jesus is the light of the world regardless. So we know that this claim is already a challenging statement that, that Jesus made here, but but now we get to see the Pharisees' response in verse 13. As Jesus says, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees responded by saying, your testimony about your, you are testifying about yourself, your testimony is not valid. In other words, Jesus makes the claim, I am the light of the world, and the Pharisees say, no, you aren't. No, you aren't. Now, we already saw the idea of having more than one witness Back in John chapter 5, verse 31. And so what Jesus says in, in John chapter 5, he basically says again in our passage today that, that his testimony about himself is legitimized by his father's testimony about him. In other words, he's saying, it, it, it doesn't matter what you think or say, I am the light of the world regardless My testimony is true regardless. So let me give you some practical applications of this idea presented in this conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees as he, he kind of makes this claim. I am the light of the world regardless. First, even when the world tries to replace his light, he is the light of the world regardless. Even when the world tries to replace his light, he is the light of the world regardless. How does the world try to replace his light? Simply put, the world tries to replace his light with false lights, with false gods. So Jesus doesn't come right out and say it to the Pharisees that they are worshiping false gods. But what we read him say in verse 19 is that you know neither me nor my father. Now how can this be? Here they are at the Feast of Tabernacles celebrating and remembering this pillar of fire that, that led them through the wilderness. This light that led them through the wilderness celebrating and remembering what God had done for them. And yet Jesus is saying that they don't know him or the Father. 
And whether they realize that this is what they were saying or not, Jesus is telling them, you don't know the God that you are celebrating at this festival. You see, unfortunately for the Pharisees, tradition, religion, and self-righteous works had become false lights and false gods for them. Sure, they worshipped God with their lips, but in their hearts they worshipped these false lights, these false gods. Somewhere along the way, they had lost sight They had lost sight of the true God that their traditions were created for. And they ended up placing a greater value, a heavier weight on the actual traditions themselves. And religion today is still a false light, a false God in our world. When we look to... When we look to traditions, when we look to religious rituals, when we look to ourselves to be our savior, then we are looking to false lights. We are looking to false gods. And so for the Pharisees, this false god of religion had become a false light in their life. But as we look at the world today, we also recognize that there are are other false gods. There are other false lights still at work in our world and in our culture. So in our American culture, there are three primary false lights that I would say are false gods for us. I call them the three S's. Success, sexuality, and self. These seem to be major guiding factors for many both in and out of the church walls. Allowing for each of these things to be a determining factor for for how devoted and how obedient we are going to be to God. And for the sake of time, I can't talk in length about each of these false lights today, these false gods. But let me just give you some quick summaries. Success, if it will help me become the best, it's okay for me to pursue it. It doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter what I have to give up or what I have to compromise If it's going to make me successful, it must be okay. And so success becomes a false light in our world. Sexuality. My sexuality and the desires of my flesh determine who I am and how I live. It doesn't matter what God has to say about it. It doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about it. It only matters what my body has to say about it. And so sexuality becomes a false light in our world. Self, this is really the overarching false light or false God for the other two, right? But self says that that it only matters what I desire. It only matters what I want. I put myself first. Nobody is going to tell me how to live my life, including God himself. I am my own God, I am my own authority. And so self becomes a false light in our world. So just as the Israelites built this golden calf at the the foot of Mount Sinai and began to worship this false God in the place of the one true God, the world continues to set up these false lights, these false gods in our world to worship these false lights instead of worshiping 
the one true God, the light of the world. But be reminded today, be reminded, Jesus is still the light of the world regardless. It doesn't matter what false gods or false lights that the world will worship. Jesus is the light of the world regardless. So even when the world tries to replace his light, he is the light of the world regardless. Second, even when the world tries to reject his light, he is the light of the world regardless. This is what we see happening here with with the Pharisees. Jesus makes the claim, I am the light of the world, and they simply reject his testimony. And in doing so, they don't just reject his testimony, but they reject his light. And as we think about the world that we live in today, we can see that things really aren't that much different. Because for many, when faced with the testimony that Jesus is the light of the world, unfortunately, many in this world will continue to say, no, he isn't. And while the Pharisees would say that, that Jesus was simply one person bearing witness about himself and that's what made his testimony invalid, today we have hundreds of thousands of believers across this nation, across this world, and throughout the generations that stand with Jesus bearing witness to this truth that he is the light of the world. And even with all of these witnesses, there are many in this world that will say, no, he isn't. And so the world continues to reject his light. And yet be reminded this morning, hear me once again, Jesus is the light of the world regardless so now let me make this a little more personal because when it comes to your life and when it comes to my life, it doesn't matter what the world has to say about it. It doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about it. When it comes to our own lives, it only matters what our testimony says about it. For your life, it is your testimony about Jesus that matters. For my life, it is my testimony about Jesus that matters. And so the question for us today is not has the, the world accepted Jesus as the light. The question is not, has your spouse accepted Jesus as the light? Ha, have your parents accepted Jesus as the light? Have your grandparents accepted Jesus as the light? The question is, have you accepted Jesus as the light? Jesus is the light of the world regardless, but his desire is for you to know him personally as the light. And so I want to give you the opportunity to know him as the light this morning. I want to give those online the opportunity to know Jesus as the light this morning. So I'm going to invite Brad, Matthew, the praise team back up here. And we're going to sing a final song. And so as we sing this final song, let me just give you a couple of ways to respond this morning. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you would say that you have never known Jesus to be the light of the world. You have never allowed Jesus to be the light of the world. You've never allowed him to be the Lord of your life. But today, 
You would say, as we have looked at God's word and, and heard his testimony and, and, and God the Father is bearing testimony in your own heart today that Jesus is the light of the world. And today you are ready to, to make him the light of your life and you are ready to make him the Lord of your life. Then I would invite you to confess your sins to the Lord, to turn from those sins and to allow him to become the light and the Lord of your life. If that's you, I would invite you to make a simple confession this morning. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And if that confession is true with your mouth, and it's also true in your heart that Jesus is now the Lord of your life, then the good news is, is that he's also now the light of your life. And if you've made that decision today, then we would love to know about it. Reach out to us. Let us know. If you're watching online this morning and you've made that decision, let us know. Let us know on Facebook. Go to fbcwatauga.org slash connect or slash prayer. Send us a message. Let us know that you've made this decision so that we can rejoice with you and follow up with you. But maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and, and you would say you are just burdened by the darkness of this world. Today, would you just be reminded once again, Jesus is the light of the world. And would you just allow for the, the peace that we receive from that truth that he is the light of the world. Would you just allow that peace to overcome you this morning? If you need to confess those things that are burdening you to the Lord. Confess whatever it is that's dark in, in your life or dark in this world that's a burden to you. And just experience the truth that Jesus is the light of the world this morning. Would you stand with me right now? And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this truth that you are the light of the world. In this dark, dark world, Lord, we rejoice in this truth, knowing that you are God's presence with us, that you are God's salvation for us. Lord, we, we need your salvation in this life. And so we thank you that, that we can receive that salvation. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here or anyone online that has never made you the Lord of their life, I pray that today they would receive your salvation by allowing you to become their Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that we would walk in this truth, that you are the light of this world, and that we would live with this peace, that you are the light of this world. Regardless of what, what darkness may come, Lord, we rejoice that you are the light of the world. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey folks, this is Pastor Dennis Hester and I want to thank you for joining First Baptist Watauga through our podcast and hearing the message today. My prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Our goal here is to equip you in your faith and to encourage you as you worship the Lord and seek to serve Him. If you have a question or you have a decision that you'd like to make, I'd encourage you to reach out to us through our website at fbcwatauga.org or simply call the church office. You can find that number or our email addresses there on that website as well. And by doing that, uh, we'd be glad to hear from you and we'd be encouraged about hearing what God's doing in your life. So God bless you and have a great day.